Welcome to the Addiction Solution Podcast. I'm Michelle Dunbar. Mark Sharon and I will be talking today about what happens when you get in that comfortable rut. And maybe you're doing something you really don't want to be doing anymore, uh, but you just keep doing it. We wrote the Freedom Model for Addictions, Escape the Treatment and Recovery Trap, and the Freedom Model for the Family to help people to learn how they can solve addiction and move on with their lives. We offer an incredible opportunity to work with us directly in private, one-on-one classes. You can learn about all of our products at thefreedommodel.org and soberforever.net. Okay. Okay, so who out there is in a comfortable rut? Just about everybody on the planet. (laughs) No. Um, I think that... uh, Well, everybody gets in one from time to time. Yeah, I I think that's the, the ebb and flow of life. And uh, it can be uh, a lot of times you don't even realize you get into one. No, right. You know, like all of a sudden you realize you're kind of in a funk. Yeah. And uh, kind of treating people close to you not not so great. Yeah. And I I think that um, uh, it doesn't necessarily have anything to do with drinking. Although we're going to talk about you know the substance use angle on this, um, but it's it's. Uh, Bad relationships are probably the the number one rut that people get into because we're you know creatures that need each other, and uh, and so we get lost. We get lost in those relationships, and the, maybe the relationship gets old and mundane, and then we start hating each other. And you know you see it in bad marriages all the time, and the, the resentments grow, and then that starts to define who you are. It becomes an activity that you partake in. Um, you know, and uh, um, it seems to be a common theme when we when we get people here at the retreat who are uh, who are struggling with with alcohol primarily. Yeah. Um, a lot of times, you know, the common theme is, well, I'm you know, I've been married for twenty plus years, and and you know, we're we're just kind of hating on each other all the time. Yeah, yeah, and and here's here's the angle that a lot of these relationships end up. Uh, being and that is that one one person is drinking or drugging and the other isn't and the one that is is using uh, the the substance as a battle for independence it's their their way to gain control of their life it's an activity that they have control over and they can drink at their spouse right 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 and uh, we've talked about this in other podcasts but but that that rut is a powerful one you know it's one of those that has meaning behind it it's and people seemingly don't understand at the time that they're they're doing this to get at their spouse or that there's meaning behind what they're doing they think that they're just an addict or an alcoholic because we label people and we put them in a box in our society and we say you know you drink because you're an alcoholic but there's no meaning behind those words. So you, you end up having this habit, this comfortable, miserable, slow boil habit, and, uh, and you just label it, well, I'm, I'm diseased. When there's really a lot of reasoning behind it. There's sure. A, there's a lot of utility that you're trying to get out of drinking and or drugging. Um, but the battle for independence, we talk about it in the book, is a big one. And uh, if you feel like your life is spiraling out of your control, maybe your career has stalled, maybe there's legal challenges pending, maybe the divorce is pending, right? You're separated from your wife or your husband. Maybe your, your relationships with your kids is, is um, not the best. 
And if you have these things and then you have your little baby off to the side, this deviant little baby over here that's yours, and you have some control and you can get uh, maybe a moment of happiness, uh, that becomes a powerful motivator. Yeah, it's it's that that's the problem is when when the treatment industry gets a hold of somebody like this, everything they tie everything to that substance like like that substance has a hold on you and and it couldn't be any further from the truth when what it really is is you you know this is your one faithful companion really um that you you know you build this substance up to be your everything yeah yeah and and the unfortunate part about going to therapy or counseling that's incompetent is it, the therapy itself and the explanations of why you do the things you do become a distraction to the truth. And yeah. the truth is you have a positive drive principle. This is something we explain in the book if you've read it. If you haven't read it, I, there's a chapter on this. But you have the, the positive drive principle, which essentially says that you're always moving in the direction of what you find beneficial for you personally. And that that motive is what drives the human race. And it is. And so you can you're you're quietly moving in this direction with drugs and alcohol because they benefit you and everybody in treatment avoids that conversation yeah so so what happens is they talk about the disease or or this disorder or um how you're broken or these causal relationships between depression anxiety and your drinking or drugging and there's all this stuff that I just labeled, right? There's all this stuff. And then that stuff becomes a distraction to one thing. Why do you continue to use? And sometimes in relationships, one of the biggest reasons you use is your battle for independence. It's saying, this is something that's mine. Yeah, and you can't control me. Yeah, yeah. And let's face it, in relationships that are that are falling apart, it is a battle for control, isn't it? It's a battle for I want my side heard, mm-hmm. and um, because each person feels they're not being heard, seen, loved, cared for, whatever it might be. So you find benefit in getting high, and and getting drunk. Not only that, but it can be a tool to cause trouble. Right. And and throw it in the face of the other person. It doesn't have to be a marriage. When I was a kid, my dad uh, was totally uninvolved in my life, and it was painful. It was painful to grow up alone, and and also in a very uh, unhealthy home environment. And I can remember at the age of thirteen, saying to myself, "You know what? He's gonna notice me, so I'm gonna hurt myself." And I would I would do outrageous stupid shit and end up in the hospital and um you know with maybe getting beat up really bad or or a motorcycle accident or an overdose Um, i ended up in detox when i was 17 at one point for a few days um things like that would would happen and i used hurting my father as a way of getting his attention and to me that was a benefit at least i had his attention being neglected is one of the worst abuses because you have no value. You know, you feel like you won't be seen or looked at or touched or hugged or cared for. So you have no value. You have no relevant, you know, image in this world. Um, so, so alcohol and drugs can be used as tools that way as well. 
Yeah, that's a really great point because I see that too in in marriages where where one spouse who, you know, the, the one person doesn't want you to drink or drug because you end up in the hospital. Um, and then the other person probably sees ending up there in some cases as a benefit. Yeah, they, they're getting some attention exactly. finally. Exactly, exactly. Yeah, so, so it's... Uh, so the question becomes, how do you solve this? Well, the first thing is you have to ask yourself whether you want to continue in a relationship that has this kind of a basis. Is this the kind of love or attention that you desire? And if do you also believe that it's possible that you could have a better relationship by doing something different? And, um, and that means you're going to have to change your relationship with drugs and alcohol and stop seeing the utility in this way. Um, now that takes some effort. It takes some effort to stop being blitzed and saying, I see more benefit in not using alcohol and drugs as a weapon to get love and attention um, or independence and control and deciding that if you let that go, what, what resources open up for you to build new avenues of happiness that are more productive? Now, a lot of people when you talk about these things in class here at the retreat or in private instruction, they'll say, I, I don't, I don't even know how to talk to my wife or husband anymore mm. without that fight. And I say, I get that. But try to imagine if you eliminated that, what would you want to say? You know, if you didn't have drinking, if you didn't have drugging, what would you say to them? If you were sitting in a room and that was just extricated from your life, if, the, if that didn't exist, it never existed, um, what would you say? What would they say? And, uh, and that's where the conversation starts. Um, now, that's a hard thing. If you're holding on to drinking or drugging and it's your tool, it's your sense of control, there's probably a lot of work you have to do to understand that you can have control in other areas of your life that are better. Well, let's, let's talk about that for a minute. Um, a lot of people will, will talk to me and say that they feel trapped right? They feel trapped yeah. in a life that they don't want. They feel like they're doing things they don't want to do. And and so I want to bring, I actually had a, a little debate with somebody on, on, a, on one of the groups on Facebook about the positive drive principle. And, and this person said, well, you know, there are plenty of people that go to jobs that they hate or stay in marriages that they hate. I, I think we even use those examples in the book. Oh, we do. <laughs> we do. And, the, and, and, and my answer was, well, they don't hate it completely. They definitely have to see benefits in it because once you stop seeing benefits in the relationship, in a job, in using, um, you abandon it. Well, that's a good point. So they might hate their job, but they hate it less than right. changing. Right. And that's what I tried to say is what we say is to prefer to, to have a preference is to prefer one option over another. Right. So, so to look at one option that you dislike is totally counterproductive because you go nowhere. It's not until you have a comparing option from which it can compete right. and be compared to that your mind can say, hey, wait a minute, there's some, there's some relative happiness in this direction that's better. And so, and notice we're not talking about costs here. So let me give an example. If you're going to get a divorce, uh, the question isn't, I hate this person, I need a divorce. 
okay? Because both of what you just said seems negative and don't look very appetizing, right? Um, the question is, am I happier staying or am I happier leaving? Do you see what I just did there? I wasn't looking at costs. I wasn't looking at negativity. I was looking at what actually drives the human psyche, which is this this desire for more benefits and a happier existence. So you can you can you're staying in the marriage because there is a vestige of happiness or you would not stay in it. The question then becomes to make a change, to become motivated to change, you have to use a comparison of the same thing, which is the benefits, which is would I be happier? to leave right what are the benefits of staying what are the benefits of leaving and make that comparison now it's no different with any other choice on the planet that is what we do whether you realize it or not you could say to yourself i hate my car so i'm going to go get another car but really what you're saying is this car's benefits don't match the benefits of the new car the new car has more benefits and and so However you have learned to frame it, it doesn't change the fact that the benefits and the desire for a happier existence is actually what is driving you in making the final decisions in these comparison uh, scenarios. So um, it's really important to – if you want to get out of a rut, you know, there's the old saying that a rut is just a grave with the ends kicked out, right? And when you die, you kick in the the ends. So it's – it's not a fun place to be. I've, I've been in a rut in my life. I can see two eras in my life when I was a younger man and in my, I had my sort of midlife crisis. Um, and when I was in those ruts, it's funny because I was in the middle of writing the positive drive principle in, in theory right. and doing all the work on it. And that's what saved me from the rut I was in at the time in both my marriage and just my career, everything. It was in writing the freedom model yep. and, and the positive drive principle and understanding uh, that research that changed me. And once I realized that I could make decisions, benefits to benefits, and make those comparisons with any challenging decision that I was deliberating hard upon, holy cow, my life just, I, I kept making the right choices for me. Right, right. You know, I wasn't distracted by pain anymore. I wasn't distracted by the, the ship ball that is life that comes down on you. You know, um, I was able to navigate through that and you can too. Yeah. It's so, so to the, to the people out there that are like, oh, people do all kinds of things that they hate and they keep doing them because they're trapped or they're stuck. Feeling trapped is a perception. It's not reality. It's a belief system. Um, and and it, all it takes is opening your mind to the possibility that you have options. Well, that that's exactly right. When you feel trapped, what is that? That's the idea that you have no other option. And so, is that ever really true? You know, I you know, Viktor Frankl in Man's Search for Meaning was in Auschwitz, and he said the last of man's freedoms is within his mind and that he could choose to be happy even in a concentration camp if he, if, he, if he wanted to do that, if that was something that was important to him. And he was able to accomplish that. He also watched as people would lose that, that reality that, right. that they could choose. And he goes – he could tell within 48 hours of who was going to die, who was right. going to simply give up living and life would leave them and they would, they would be in their bed the next day dead. Not their bed, but their bunk or whatever they were sleeping in. But the point is, is that 
uh, you know, the last man's freedoms is within the mind. So we are always free to choose something differently within our mind. Now, let's say your circumstances really suck. Let's say that you lost your job. You're looking at all this bad things. You've lost your mm-hmm. wife. You've lost your income. You all, And it's just cascading down upon you. You can still see a way out in your mind's eye first because everything that happens in a human life starts with a thought. Everything, every action, every behavior, every habit, all begins in the mind, not the brain, but in the mind. So it all comes down to, do I believe that there is a possibility that things can be better if I'd make a different decision? Yeah. The other part of this too, that I think keeps people stuck is their self-image and their their, their personal identity. Um, so if, if you're somebody that you've, you've gotten in a, in a rut of thought, um, you, maybe you've been to a couple of rehabs and yeah. you, you feel like you're a total failure. You feel like, well, I'm just an addict. I'm an addict. Like my father was an addict or an alcoholic, like my grandmother was an alcoholic and I'm a loser. And if you, if you're in that kind of you have that kind of personal belief system. Um, yeah, that can, you can feel pretty darn trapped. Um, and once again, you know, maybe, maybe it's time to just call a little bullshit on yourself, you know, and, and think, I, what if, what if, what if those freedom model people are right? <laughs> what if I'm not so bad after all? And I, and I have the power, the ability, the innate, um, I don't know, whatever the innate power i guess to to change my mind right free will yeah that's the innate power to change your mind it's called free will yeah yep and so you can literally change your mind about yourself that's right or you can remind yourself about the past and live in the past right you get to choose that's what reminding ourselves remind you're rehashing the old way of thinking and you're going to get the just results of that that are probably fairly poor um, we're not saying that it's easy either. You know, it can be. Um, but there are some scripts that start when, you know, the mental scripts and self-identity that, that starts when you're very young. And if you, you had like we did, which was these these rough childhoods where, um, where you know, I, I learned that I was, you know, for lack of a better term, a piece of shit at a young age. Um, and you, you have people telling you that repeatedly. It, it can it can really the rut can be you know 30 years long and um, but it's, you can you literally have the ability to change your mind about yourself and and think okay you know maybe I was this person for the last 30 or 40 years but but what if I just threw that all away and started fresh yeah you you really can I, we do an exercise in uh, at the, here at the retreat and uh, in uh, private instruction and these these lessons aren't in the freedom model the book itself because it's sort of you need an instructor to walk you through this process so it's called life movements and um and in that she talked about self-image one of the last uh, steps in life movements is to put a name on who you're going to be moving forward now prior to this we've done three different lists that gets you to the point that you understand exactly who you are, what you actually like, um, what you want to be doing in the in the future, and then we call it the swing the bat list. These things that you you're actually going to go do. You're going to 
they're doable. I call them pods, sort of little items that that are going to make you feel successful moving forward. But in order to stay motivated, and this is this is something we just added in, but it's something I've been doing for thirty years with people anyway. I just put a name on it. Um, we started talking about you know uh, building us an overall self image and putting a name on it. For instance, um, mine when I left my hometown and I quit drinking, I remember in in the back of my mind I said I'm going to be a good civilian. Now I know that sounds corny, but being a good civilian represented health. Um, a clean haircut, healthy, my teeth fixed, having a career, going to college and finishing, um, becoming a drummer, becoming a boxer, becoming all the things that when I was drinking and drugging, I wasn't doing. So I put a label on it. And I remember walking through the streets of Troy homeless sober and thinking, I'm going to be this good civilian. I'm going to figure this out. Fuck it. I'm going to do it no matter what. And, and because I put a label on it, it, it pulled me out of the rut. I had a vision. So here's what's interesting about this. If you have a self-image that is negative, uh, you can't move forward. You have to see yourself as a different human. If you see yourself as a different human being and you have the image in your mind of that, of who you are, then the how and the why will work itself out. But you have to know exactly, you have to have a label of exactly who you are going forward. And um, I have a new label, but it's private to me now because I'm just working it out and I don't have it yet. But in in a future podcast, I'll let you know what it's going to be. It's developing. And so um, in each stage of life, you have to ask yourself, who do you want to be in the next stage? Mm Mm-hmm. And put a label on it. Put put a name on that. And then when you're hitting challenges or when you're striving forward and it's tough, you say, well, this is the new me. I'm going in that direction. And you need to know that this works both ways. You're already doing that. But that that is the, the self-talk that you're doing. You're already That is a great point. Yeah. I mean, when I was when I was first starting to to drink and drug heavily that was my self-image. I, I identified as an addict before before I really was one. That's um, so important what you're saying. Yeah. And so so you, you already do that. And when I stopped, um, my goal, I used to say to people, I'm, I'm not the marrying kind. And I think my goal when I stopped, not that I really wanted to get married or anything like that at that point in my life, um, but I wanted to be someone that that could do that, you know, um, I wanted to be a good daughter. Um, and at some point I just out good employee. Um, I wanted to be someone that people wanted to be around. And up until that point, I wasn't. That's, that's a, that's a huge point, what you just said. And that is that, uh, what we think we are, right. And you are your thoughts. Think about it. If you didn't have thoughts, would you be alive? I want you to think about that right now. If you had no thoughts, would you exist? No. So you really are what you think. And so what happens is we have a default self-image that develops with not a lot of effort on our part. And because we're not consciously thinking, what direction am I moving in? Is this a positive self-image? You know, we take on the self-images, we're like a chameleon, we take on the color of what's around us and the scripts we learned as a kid and then we modify it. But because it's not a conscious process, we end up in a place we don't even want to be. Maybe in a horrendous marriage or 
just terrible relationships or um, what, whatever it might be, you know, with a huge drinking and drugging habit. A dead-end job, um, you know, a career you really didn't want. Yeah, yeah. So, so here's what's vital. You can, you can stick it out and keep your default self-image or you can take the bull by the horns and say, wait a minute, who do I want to be in five years? Now, I realize this sounds real self-helpy, you know, um, but it's very practical. It's v- incredibly practical. Um, you obviously, if you're listening to this, you want to change your life. And the only one that can change it is you. There's no therapist, sponsor, rehab, uh, you know, sober living facility with a bunch of staff and professionals telling you how to live your life that's going to change your self-image. That's an inside job, and you're going to have to do it. You have to decide what really makes you happy. And and look at nothing is forever. You know, try you know try some something on for size and see if that works for you. You can always you know that's the great thing about life is everything changes. Nothing yeah. you know nothing is truly permanent in life, not even life itself. So so you know you can take the time to figure it out. And at some points in your life, you're going to want to change again. That's exactly right. I remember in my early 20s, I went to five different colleges for five different majors. And what I would do is I would take like two or three classes in a major. And uh, and then I tried it on for size. And I found I didn't like the first four, right? But because I set it up as pods, what I call like this small thing. Short term. Yeah. Mm-hmm. Yeah. I didn't, I didn't say I'm going to get a four year degree in business, you know, and sign up for a four year, you know, I didn't do that. What I did was I took three, two or three classes in a semester. I found usually midway through that I disliked it, you know, whatever the major was, but you know what? I still got a four O because I could see the end. It was a pod of success. I right. wanted I wanted a small chunk of success to prove that I was smart, that I could discipline myself. Now, I'm telling you, I'm not going to discipline myself to do shit I hate for <laughs> long periods of time. That was part of my new self-image was I'm going to figure out who I am. And that process became one of the most productive and wonderful and scary and fun and risky filled with failure times in my life, but filled also with massive success. Yeah. So it's a mixed bag. You're going to figure it out and you just got to keep swinging the bat. So let's go back to where we started as we you know, close this out. And that is if you're in a rut and you're doing something that you think that you're hate, you're in, you're in a marriage that you think is, is dead, or you're in a job that you, that you don't want to do anymore. Don't think for a minute that you're doing that for any other reason that you then you see benefits in it. So the key is going to be, let me figure out what the benefits are of this thing that I don't want to do anymore. And let me see what my options are and see what the benefits of those options are. That's exactly it. You know, and, and that's, nobody does anything. And I know, you know, I might get emails or whatever, but nobody does anything they don't see benefits in doing. That's right. So, so I think that that is it for today. We're coming up on about a half an hour. Do you have something else? Yeah. I just want to tell you that if you want lessons in some of what we're talking about here, um, somebody, I I posted a a brief uh, video on Facebook yesterday and different social media platforms, but um, people have been asking, I, I read the book and some people are what's called auto 
didactic, which means they can learn from a book. They can read, learn, apply, and it's great. Um, about 30% of the population in general can do that. Then there's the other 60 to 70% that struggles to apply what they learn. That would be me. Yeah. <laughs> yeah. I can, I can, I'm pretty good at it, but, but I, every once in a while I have to go to a mentor and learn. Yeah. So if you're the type of person that's read the freedom model or is going to read it and you struggle to learn by reading, not because maybe comprehension is an issue, but more it's how do I apply this? Like you can't make that transition to making it applicable. That's where you need an instructor. That's where you need a mentor type person or somebody that understands and you, you need a sounding board of how to apply it. If that's the case, uh, give us a call uh, at 888-424-2626. And myself, Michelle, Danny, Steve, uh, the whole team, we're willing to work with you because yep. uh, we have uh, Freedom Model Private Instruction, which is the 12 classes to get through the entire Freedom Model. Um, you can also split that up a bit if you just want to do life movements or something like that. We have to figure out. We'd probably have a console. You know. Yeah, an initial class to figure out what, what your needs are, what you want to accomplish um, through the Freedom Model. Um, one thing I want to tell everybody is that our we're in the process of making audiobooks for both the Freedom Model for Addictions and the Freedom Model for the Family. A lot of people have been asking for that. Um, I, I, we're hoping to have that out hopefully by late next month. Yep. Um, yep. So so that is coming. And also don't forget that we have a ton of videos on our, on the Freedom Model YouTube channel. That's right. So um, now if you're, if you're finding it, here's a second option as well. If you find it hard to apply the Freedom Model into your life and you desperately need to get away yeah there's always people we've our house here has been full lately since covid's ended um and and you know we've had a full house so now we have a waiting list but but if you need to get away call us at that same number it's 888-424-2626-2626 um and uh and and we can help you some people come for three weeks some people come for two weeks some people come for four weeks so uh it's a pretty awesome experience we've been here for 31 years and we've helped over 10,000 people move on from this problem well that's that's the hard part about a rut too is sometimes it takes getting like removing yourself physically from your everyday routine oh, that's a good point that's a good point you know yeah so uh all right so that's it all right thank you everyone for listening today if you or someone you know is seeking help for a substance use problem or other habitual behavior or you want help breaking free and moving past recovery as well you can reach us at 888-424-2626 or check out our websites thefreedommodel.org and soberforever.net Soberforever.net provides detailed information about our residential retreat, the St. Jude Retreat. We just opened our pool, and we're very excited that it's summer here at the retreat. Thefreedommodel.org is our hub and has a ton of free resources and information, including videos, these podcasts, free ebooks, and information about our at-home private instruction program. For our podcast listeners, you can get free digital editions of our full books, The Freedom Model for Addictions and The Freedom Model for the Family, at... Um, thefreedommodel.org enter coupon code freedom 100 at checkout to get either of those books you can get paperback and kindle versions at, at amazon or one of the other online retailers 
Um, you can email us at info at thefreedommodel.org if you have questions. Follow us on social media, including Facebook, Twitter, Instagram, LinkedIn, and subscribe to the Freedom Model YouTube channel. We also have three private Facebook groups. We started for people to discuss their experiences breaking free from addiction and recovery. They are the Freedom Model Group, Moving Beyond Addiction and Recovery, and Families, Moving Beyond Addiction and Recovery. I think we're going to combine all those groups. Um, actually, now that I'm reading this to uh, the Freedom Model group, I think we'll, yeah. we'll, yeah, we'll gonna, be doing that. We're going to do that. And also, if you need detox, uh, you can go to or consult with Gallus Detox. That's G-A-L-L-U-S. People always think I'm saying Dallas. I know they do. <laughs> so it's Gallus. That's G. G is in girl. <laughs> yes. G-A-L-L-U-S. Detox.com. From everyone here at the Freedom Model, we wish you well until next time. Take care. Bye.